Hello and welcome to the Hiring Enablement Podcast. My name is Gavin Spears, CEO of Solutions Driven, a global recruiting partner that guarantees right first-time hiring. In today's episode, we're going to talk about ghosting. Not Halloween ghosting, more candidate ghosting, but also company ghosting, as it feels like there's been a shift over the last year or so. And I'm delighted to be joined by Beth Kester-Warner. Beth's expertise is in building scalable people teams and processes that support inclusive and productive teams. She passionately partners with leadership teams to define visibility and reporting needed to foster healthy teams, whilst remaining current on tools, trends, and training that are important to scaling people functions. She chose to join her current company, Carbon Robotics, as the head of people operations for its mission and also to support a build, building a company that is very high in values and also working with very smart employees. Before that, Beth brings over 20 years of experience working with technology companies to attract and retain top-tier talent and has a deep passion for diversity, equity and inclusion. She has worked from early stage startup organisations to as well as working with some of the tech giants, as well as a combination of in-house agency and consultancy experience. And this blend really gives Beth a broad spectrum across many facets, including recruiting, HR, sourcing, early careers, training, reporting, events, candidate experience and employer branding. Whilst Beth isn't busy doing all of that and driving people ops, Beth has kept busy living with, in Seattle with her teenage daughter, two dogs, a parakeet, and also a Californian boa, as well as spending time volunteering and supporting many social programs close to her heart. I do share a lot of similarities to Beth when it comes to what we think about from a recruiting point of view, but I have to say when it comes to living with a boa, the similarities stop there. But Beth, welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. No issue at all. So I think we'll, I'd like to just get in and discuss about, you know, almost the, the shift that we've seen from a few years ago it was very much candidate ghosting to now we're starting to really hear more about company ghosting. And it's really driven down to, I guess, you know, the employer, the employer driven market, the candidate driven market back to maybe a more of an employer driven market. But from, from your perspective, you know, how you how do you see this trend evolving? And also, how do you see that impacting on candidate engagement as well as what HR and T leaders need to focus on? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that um, that now that the the tides have shifted, shall we say, you know, the, the focus um, was has always been on candidate experience and then, um, you know, treating that the overall candidate experience along, you know, um, from the very beginning all the way through the interview process. Um, and I think the shift is um, somehow the com the companies I feel like so have forgotten that that's that matters in the long term. Um, so I, I, that's the only thing I, I can really say because I think the technology is there. So I, I I struggle with hearing the stories and coaching the people that I do around not letting that you know affect their ability to do the best interview they can as well, which is fundamentally the intent of candidate experience. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I guess, you know, digging into the, the company ghosting element in, in your experience or from your thoughts, I guess, what are the main impacts that that then has on organizationals, you know, um, organizations um, kind of perception, you know, to the candidates, you know, how they're perceived in the market? How do you how do you think that's really making an impact to those organizations? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think the hard thing is I I would I <clears throat> I would believe that it is actually not a good reflection of a culture of a company, but there's no way of knowing 
And if I, again, I'm coaching somebody, I'm always telling them to pay attention to how they're treated in the process. And I think most importantly is how are you treated as a candidate when the market is tipped the way that it is right now? Um, Because it's very easy when there's not many people to hire, but when, you know, when can, when companies have to make a decision and have to have the, a broad selection of um, potential candidates, how do they treat everyone in that process? Um, It definitely matters. And so I think the impacts are, um, Companies aren't thinking about the long term. If you're if you're not a company that plans to be you know around for just a couple of years, you need to be thinking about how people think of you. We all know when someone has a bad experience, they tell twenty five or you know plus people. When they have a good one, they don't tell any. So I just I think it absolutely um, will affect. Um, and, and having been through a couple uh, downturns, you know that I've been in my career. You know, it's it is really true that you know when things shift back, and then again the candidates are the ones that have have hand. They're going to remember that, Absolutely. and they're going to. You know, it's just not. It's just not a good look. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, it's funny. I seen a post uh, earlier this week on LinkedIn, and someone had posted saying, "I've just been rejected for a job that I applied to seven months ago." So it's clearly yeah. it's clearly someone that's cleaning up the ATS. You know, that's, that's right. doing what they have to do. And, and I think the other piece for me is that it, it in one respect, it's slightly going off piece here, but in one respect, you could say AI is driving um, a more efficient candidate experience, but is it really driving a better candidate experience? I mean, are, are candidates getting true feedback, you know, rather than just no thanks or, or whatever it may be? And, and I actually spoke to someone earlier and, and their view is very much at some point through your life, you're going to be a candidate, most probably. Therefore, you know, just make sure, which leads me on to my next point, make sure you treat people the way that you want to be treated yourself. Um, What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I guess, you know, in your role and in previous roles, you've got the ability to drive the kind of expectation of, of how you treat others the way you want to be treated yourself. But how do you build that into your kind of process and, and the way you set up your, your hiring teams for success? Well, I mean, I think, uh, how do I do it is I reinforce it by doing it. Um, I think that they need to see, you know, and there's all kinds of ways a leader that you are, you know, you're showing that. And I think that the the broad answer around treating people the way they want to be treated is much bigger than ghosting. But I think, you know, you know, going back to your seven month um, scenario, as sad as that that is, um, and, you know, kind of laughable in a sense as a candidate is like, yeah, yeah. obviously I don't care now. Um, it's still yeah. as they got an answer. And, you know, I yeah. more frequently hear that it just goes into oblivion. And I, I just shake my head because, um, it isn't an AI situation. It is literally, there's a button that you push where you select candidates and reject them. It's a very easy process. And I think that's where, you know, recruiting leaders need to insist to build process, um, dig in and watch for aging of yeah. candidates as much as many other uh, metrics, because yeah. then you are getting to see how quickly are you getting back to people. And yeah. I, you know, I have to look at both sides. I know, you know, and I know as people leaders, we all know that the candidate flow is enormous right now. I mean, yeah. I just talked to someone yesterday who said she opened a job and, and you know, in two days she had 450 candidates. You can't get through 450 candidates. There's just no chance of it. And if you have tools to be able to help dig through that, to help you out, um, awesome. But the reality is, 
you still need to make sure that you, you know, you're doing something. And in any case, I think there's an answer if you're looking for it, or there's a dismissal, which seems to be what's happening. And, you know, if I can't get through all the candidates, I'm sending them all a note saying you're in consideration, high candidate flow means I may not be able to get back to you right now. Like it just, there's always an answer to make people remember. And I think the irony of that is if you decide to measure those things, which means forces people to think about solutions for those things, unfortunately, your company is standing out and Mm -hmm. that's a bad thing. Really interesting. A couple of things you've said there. I mean, I think the first one, you know, if you if you relate it to, you know, sales pipeline processes, right? You know, I know a lot of sales reps get really frustrated with the no answer bucket. So it's almost I prefer a yes, but I'd also prefer a no, you know, to at least know where I where I stand. And I guess in the candidate world, it's, it's really similar. I think something else you said you said there that's really interesting. You know, I know many TA leaders that are fixated on you know time to fill, age of recs. But your point is really valid. You know, underneath that, should we not also be looking at age of pipeline? Like, you know, if, if there's if there's 50 candidates sitting in a funnel and the average age is 30 days, we have a problem, you know, and, and I think that's a really valid point. I think something else has just came into my mind as we're, we're talking, you know, normally, not, not, not all the time, but the, the kind of company ghosting piece is front end of the process. But I think there's almost a ghosting at the back end, which is sure. when you start getting into the interview process, is the hiring manager then you know, ghosting the recruiter, hence ghosting the candidate. How do you how do you manage that back end of ghosting, i.e. with the hiring teams and, and keeping them moving? Well, to be fair, I think, you know, it kind of um, hedges off of what I said. You know, one of the first things I do coming in is I build SLAs. So there's an expectation that is set and clearly defined for my recruiting teams as to what timeframes they have to get to things. And if they can't and they're having a problem, you know, they need to know they can come and we then we converse and figure out so that we're problem solving. And what does that do? That builds um, the future recruiting leaders that are going to index on some of the same things I think are important. Um, but then when you, you know, as you get further through the process, to be fair and, you know, I know this is a kind of a harsh way to say it, but I, do, I think it's inexcusable. I think that, you know, I think in recruiting, we're always going to have mistakes. People are going to fall through the cracks. You're dealing with high volume in this current state of the market. But when it comes to, you know, candidate experience, once someone's engaged in the process, I can't see a viable reason um, where someone would ever not get some resolution. Yeah. Um, I can see why maybe a person wouldn't receive it. It could have gone to spam. There's all these things that I can yeah. say that, you know, recruiting method is not foolproof, but um, but if it was a anomaly, we wouldn't have the trend and we wouldn't hear the experience repeatedly where people are saying they're hearing nothing. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you know, d- despite what the market is, um, the state of the market, I have a philosophy and for every last 15, 20 years, I've implemented with my teams, which is if a candidate goes through an entire experience if they have a full interview loop, however that's defined by your your process, they deserve a verbal conversation. Yeah, when it absolutely. comes to the end, your your flow and your process reflects the same for the winner and the losers that have gone through the entire. And I, you don't mean losers, but you know the people yeah, who yeah. didn't. <clears throat> and and then you need to also coach your recruiters to be able to give feedback in a way that doesn't put the company at risk. So I think you know back in the day. When I first started, which might have been just, you know, 20 some years ago, I mean, we really were taught not to give feedback and we mm-hmm. still have to be really conscious of it. But I yeah. think there is a handful of people that you liked enough to get to that point in the process. Why would you alienate them for future opportunities? That yeah. wouldn't be a smart move. And again, 
just having a verbal conversation that takes you all of five minutes to say it didn't work out. Here's, you know, whatever the, the thing that might be, um, leaves it are open. So they're going to talk to you again. And I can guarantee mm-hmm. you, I have more times than I can count in my life where I've said no to a candidate in this experience. And, you know, then a year later, they're joining the company. Yeah, really good point. I mean, I think my view on that is that the more the, commit, the more the candidate commits to you in the organization through the process, the more you should commit to them, you know, in terms right. of the feedback, the quality of feedback, et cetera. And, and also the more the hiring manager should commit to the process. I mean, one of the things that I think is a, a global frustration at times of, of recruiters and TA leaders is the hiring team or manager that says, this is critical, but I don't have time for X, Y, and Z. Do you know, and I, I think there is that kind of, it's almost how do you protect that the candidate isn't getting ghosted by the company, but also the hiring manager isn't ghosting, you know, the, the, the process as well. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, maybe on that, you know, in your experience and with the different sizes and complexities of organizations that you've worked with, is there any kind of gold standards or key steps that you've looked at and said, these were real best practices and these really worked, you know, through the, the engagement cycle, let's say. Um, in regards to keeping manager, higher managers accountable? In, in regards to just keeping it a positive candidate experience. So things oh. that you've seen organizations do that have stood out, that have drove, you know, a more positive candidate experience. Yeah, I think, you know, um, that's a tough one because it really does depend on the team also because I think teams mm-hmm. function different. Um, but I think fundamentally, I think it's just making sure, well, let me back up. I think recruiting teams, oftentimes recruiters who've joined my team have said that, you know, coming out of um, prior experiences, they, they oftentimes what lacks, particularly in smaller companies, is a definition of success and expectations. Yep. And success should never be simply hiring. We all know it is the, you know, it's the overarching um yep. But I think that, you know, making sure that you're defining um, those expectations. And that's why I say, you know, putting SLAs down, it's not hard to do. Um, and then taking building reports to measure that. Um, I think the other thing is holding every person in the process accountable and including, and that's where the metrics and reporting, you know, particularly with engineering or technology uh, leadership, which is where we live mostly, even if you're a sales leader, they are going to be driven by data. That's how we're, we think. So yeah. being able to offer up things that give open visibility from day one makes them trust the data and makes them trust you because you're not trying to hide anything. So I think, and then you build those same SLAs for your, for your leadership. Mm -hmm. I think that the, when it comes to candy experience, the biggest, um, the biggest, um, piece or, I mean, you know, qualifier success, whatever is really making them and holding them accountable and rewarding accordingly. So Mm -hmm. making sure people know that our job, and I say a lot, Recruiters are the first face of the company for a vast majority of the people interact with it. And as such, we are sales, we are marketing, you know, we're all the things. And we also have impact on building the brand and building, you know, in a small company, you're building your social presence, you're you know, directing people to follow you. And there's all these pieces that you touch and you impact. So that is as much a measure as the hiring itself. You got to have the success of hiring, but you got to also show up. I don't care how many jobs you fill or how great a recruiter are. If I get bad uh, feedback about how you interact in the world, I don't want you anywhere near my team. I don't want you to represent me as a company any more than we want the inside sales guy who calls us that's nasty. I don't, that's not awesome. Um, And then on the manager side, I just, (laughs) if a manager doesn't engage, I don't engage either. Yeah. That's a which I mean, is which is really valid. You know, actually, I spoke to someone a couple of months ago that um, 
the way they handled it was interesting. So they, at the start of a search of a project, they would say, okay, manager, how much time are you willing to commit to this process? Let's map that out because I'll do twice the amount of time that you put in, et cetera, et cetera. And it was almost a bit of a kind of game to say, you know, I'm doing more than you, but you have to commit, you know, to, to X as well, which I thought was was interesting. You said something there that I've, I, and I won't go on my soapbox, um, but I think many companies forget that TA and HR and, you know, recruiting teams are that face of the organization, just like the sales team at the other side, yet still were probably one of the first functions that are impacted you know, and downsizing, et cetera. And it's a real, it's an interesting one, maybe another debate at another time, I guess. But um, yeah. this is excellent. Really, it's been really good, Beth. I mean, maybe just to close things off, um, a really interesting career, a really interesting background. Any key learnings from your side that you would share with other people ops, recruiting leaders on kind of lessons learned and insights from your side? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that a lot of, I would say, you know, recruiting, sales, um, you know, which is fundamentally kind of what we are, uh, you know, we do tend to fundamentally have a reputation and I'm not, I, I choose to not use the word bad, but we all know what we're talking about. That used car salesman, the pushy, the, you know, being, being so focused on the clothes that you're not focused on the process or focused on, um, is it the right clothes? And so I think, you know, some of the things that I always you know, as I coach my teams and as I coach people early coming into recruiting, um, you get to define who you are and you get to define who you want to be. And, um, and those things are very reflective and grow. Doesn't mean you're not continuing to grow. I have some major mistakes I made in my career of how I treated people that really taught me some valuable lessons. Um, mm -hmm. but I think that's the big key thing is you get to decide and you get to change every single day. And I really do believe I, you going the extra mile being, open, loving what you do, um, helping people when they're down. I mean, I take calls all the time to read someone's resume and edit it or do a prep call or just network people around. Those things are so huge and go yeah. really right into that candidate experience. You as a person are known for having this. And then you, they, then people trust that you're going to a company that does the same. And I guess, you know, alternatively that ensure you are, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's privilege that, you know, just, you know, I'm lucky to have in Seattle with so much opportunity. So I, I think that's just the, the big thing, keeping in mind, you get to change and be who you want to be and good recruiters are hard to find and really, really resonate when you, when you behave well. It's excellent. Super insights, Beth. I mean, I think I was, I was excited to speak to you. I think that, you know, the, the, the ghosting shift has been interesting. You know, there was so much talk a few years ago of, Candidates are just not engaging. They're quick to say no or pull out of a process. And then lo and behold, we're now talking about, you know, companies needing to, to up their game in terms of, you know, falling into the same trap. I think you've shared some really good insights. You know, I think there's some real, you know, takeaway points there, which is, is excellent. And, and again, just to close, thank you very much for your time. It's been a, a pleasure to, to chat with you. Um, and also, thanks to the listeners. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If there's any um, specific topics that you would like to see in future, then just let me know. But thanks again, Beth. That was excellent. Thank you. Good to see you. Super.